Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You can only learn and you can only progress if you're doing things, you know, and that could be failing. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum, and in this episode, we're speaking with family, business owner, and seasoned property developer, Michael Lin. Growing up in Sydney's West and initially studying graphic design, Lin's life took a different direction after he took over the family business and began managing his parents' properties. Lynn worked his way up the family business and now independently runs two companies. I run two vitamin brands that my family started about 16 years ago right now um, and I'm also a property investor and property developer. So this vitamin business um, that, that you've been running for the, the family and so forth, you mentioned it's been for more than a decade now. What type of I guess, vitamins are we looking at and, and how does this business work? We deal in travel retail and, um, you know, it, it just kind of makes sense to 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 connect vitamins to skincare. Um, and uh, I started working in my family's business, you know, started from doing deliveries, working in the warehouse and then kind of worked my way up. Um, and now I run the business, uh, also looking after my own brand, uh, which I export to Asia as well. Lynn runs the daily operations of these vitamin businesses. But that's not the only thing on his plate. I run the day-to-day operations and also focus on the, the growth of the businesses. So the business is my primary um, uh, day-to-day exercise. And then we've also got, we've got um, our property development side of things, which is you know really, from my point of view, doesn't really take up that much time out of my day. Growing up in southwestern Sydney, Lynn was set to go down a very different path after high school. I was born in New Zealand um, and my family migrated to Australia. Uh, we grew up, I grew up in southwest Sydney, I guess, since I was maybe um, six years old. Uh, so in the suburb of Cabramatta, uh, I went to Cabramatta West Primary School and, um, you know, I, I went to school at Macquarie Fields High School and um, I didn't really go to uni. I went to a private college for graphic design. Uh, didn't really flourish in that space. It was sort of, I don't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do and graphic design seemed like something cool to do, but there are some people in there who, you know, really love um, and love being creative, whereas for me, it was just something I did. So, uh, kind of flip-flopped all over the place. I didn't really have any purpose, in my opinion, now that I think about it. Um, And my father suggested, why don't you come, you know, work in the family business for a while and until you figure out what you want to do and I've just been here ever since. Ultimately, Lin learned a lot from his family 
encouraging him to take on roles within their business. They uh, you know, kind of locked me down by giving me all these opportunities in the business, you know, start my own brand. And because, you know, once your family puts in so, like you know, a certain amount of capital, it was hard for me to get out, which was a good thing. Now that I think about it in hindsight as a blessing because it meant that I couldn't find something else to flip-flop to. And at the beginning, you know, I'm not a – I wasn't an entrepreneurial person, just like I wasn't really into property. But um, I've been kind of not forced but kind of um, – been put in positions where I have had to learn how to run a business, how to grow a business in a changing market, and also the same thing with property, how to become a sophisticated uh, property investor versus just a passive buy and hold mum and dad kind of strategy investor. So um, I've, you know, at the time it was very uh, challenging, but now I'm very grateful for those learnings, you know, because um, I'm able to to be on the journey that I am on now because of that um, previous learnings. Like most of us, Lin started out in casual jobs before he entered the family business and started investing. I did work in retail, like uh, travel retail, not travel retail, electronic retail. So not even, it's it was Tandy, you know, which was owned by Dick Smith. Um, it was just a, it was, it was high paying job at that time. I think it was like, over 20 bucks you know on a on weekend rate so it's just something to do and um but my family have always you know run businesses so uh, there's always been work to do but uh, i did not intend to join the family business it's just i i really didn't know what i wanted to do to be honest but um yeah i, I didn't really i haven't actually had a a job when i think about it when i think about it now i've never had a full-time job it's always been casual work Lin believes his parents influenced his decision to enter property development. Being from an Asian background, uh, you are expected to do well academically, yet, um, you know, despite the fact that my parents obviously wanted me to do academically well, I didn't do very well. Um, they would, you know, uh, want me to do better, but at the same time, they look at my cousins and, you know, people that I know who went to uni and got a corporate job, they would be thinking, well, you know, in our private discussion saying, oh, you know, working for the man and, you know, it's, there's no room to move, you know, like there's, there's, there's no freedom like you have as a business owner. And, and, you know, these lessons kind of transition into property development as well. I see property as just another business. It's not, you know, it's it's just another business. That's exactly what it is. There's no difference. You still have to learn marketing. You still need to know what's happening in the landscape. You still need to know the regulations. You need to know, you know, what the market trends are. Um, who's the who are the right people that you need to work with to deliver the product at the end of the day? It's 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 all the same, just different colors. And again, he emphasizes how his culture reinforced his decision. I would say that property is um, inherently part of our, you know, Chinese culture is it's just something you do, you know, when you have a certain amount of, um, assets or capital, you would buy property, you know, it's a, it's a smarter way of saving money. So, um, from that perspective, it is, it is better than just keeping your money in other assets such as cash. I mean, obviously, um, what a lot of uh, Asian parents actually do is force their children to, uh, buy properties at, you know, right out of university, actually pay the deposit or half the deposit it for them and then you know um, force them to save through the mortgage you know so um, 
my parents have always been interested in property, but my transition into property has, and it's the same with, it's exactly the same pattern with business. I worked for my family. I saw things that I thought didn't really make sense and I improved um, their processes or their marketing or basically changed their business model, which is what I did for the business. And the same applied to property where I would be expected to manage a lot of their, you know, their property uh, portfolio. And, you know, I didn't like the way things were done or I didn't think they were the smartest and best use for those particular sites, even the purchases, acquisition, everything. They, they just did things a particular way from there because they're from a certain generation. Um, they're used to a certain way of doing things. And um, my job as it's been in, you know, as I have identified it is to take what they've built and take it to another level. And that's with the business, that's with the property, you know, that they, you know, we had many opportunities to get into development. We owned a development site that was 1350 square meters, you know, um, on a main road. It was, it would have been beautiful to develop. Um, but at that time, I didn't have the education behind me to be able to, um, you know, accomplish, you know, I don't know, pull through a project like that. So um, it's always been a constant journey for me to improve on what my parents have built. That's, that's the way I see it. Lin started his property journey by helping his parents with their properties before buying an investment of his own. I've had to manage their properties. Um, I've had to help them manage their builds even for you know building their their home and other other projects as well so i've had some you know i've I've had a lot of experience uh in like a little bit of everything but on for my own personal um property investing journey it really started after um i made a decision with my uh girlfriend at the time to invest in our education you know find out what we don't know because you don't know what you don't know and um after we, you know, invested in a few, you know, a few different courses, um, our very first project, like as an investor, as a smart investor anyway, from my perspective, is we bought a property out in regional New South Wales. It was about seven hours away from Sydney and it was pretty much the border of Queensland and um, it was a good buy. It was, uh, you know, we we paid less than twenty thousand dollars for a house, um, and we, you know, fixed it up and we got rentals of two hundred. And and then I unsold it later on uh, to a Sydney buyer, actually. Um, so uh, we made mistakes, of course, during that process. But that was our first um, buy um, after. Um, you know, investing our education. I mean, we also have, you know, properties that we've bought just buy and hold kind of strategies, but, um, you know, they don't really count from my point of view. In fact, Lynn believes getting himself educated was the best way to get started in property investment. Once you start educating, educating yourself, you, you know, your horizon is broadened and you start realizing the things that you determine were the limits or what is possible, um, is expanded. And, you know, I'm, I, you know, I like bargains and this was a bargain buy, you know, um, it was less than $20,000. Um, it, it was, 
yeah, it, was, it, it just made sense to to purchase this. But at the same time, I you know I made a couple of bad purchases as well, <laughs> which didn't you know which lost money. But what I've noticed, like since then till now, every single time and in business as well, every single time there's something I want to try because I'm persistent and I'm you know I I have a strong work ethic. Overall, I'm always up. You know, like I always make mistakes within each project or whatever. I mean, everyone does, but I don't give up after that. Overall, I'm always up. So if you're doing nothing, waiting for the market to shift, blah, 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 that kind of stuff, it's very passive. And eventually, you're just more likely not to do anything. Um, Considering the current, you know, as you're aware, the current market right now, it's people are waiting on the side. You know, they're waiting to time the market. See, that's the thing between... And this is something that I've um, you know, discussed with a couple of developers. He expands on his thinking and on the realities of property investment strategies. The difference between a property investor, even a sophisticated property investor and a developer is a property investor tries to time the market. They're trying to, you know, it's, it's a big concern to them because they treat each deal as if it's the only one they're ever going to do. Whereas a business person or a you know a, a developer they they know that you have to make money when the market goes down you have to know how to make money when it goes down sideways or upwards you can't just rely on buying when it's low and selling when it's high you know what are they going to do in between because how can you really um wait like jump... 10 years or something like that for the next exactly exactly it's too passive a strategy and these people are in the business of property you know, so they know they need to be doing stuff. You, you you can only learn and you can only progress if you're doing things, you know, and that could be failing. Coming up after the break, we'll hear about Michael Lynn's worst investment story. This is actually a bad investment, not a missed opportunity. I've had too many missed opportunities. So that's I think that's everyone's everyone's journey. But this is actually a bad one. How he negotiated a tricky unwanted tenant situation. I had to um, remove a squatter. It was a very difficult process um, to learn, um, and I did I did what I had to do to I guess investment techniques learned from his mum. My mum's very very confident. Um, she's really been a strong figure in my life. All this and much more after the break. I'm Tyrone Shum, and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, then register your interest at propertyinveststory.com. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and I only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, visit propertyinveststory.com. Now back to the show. Even after getting himself educated on the property market and investments, Lin reveals not all investments can be predicted with the story of his worst investment. This is actually a bad investment, not a missed opportunity. I've had too many missed opportunities, so that's I think that's everyone's everyone's journey. But this is actually a bad one. We actually purchased a um, <laughs> a block of land through the same strategy that we used to buy that you know um, under twenty k property. Um, and we bought a block of land, right? Um, but what I wasn't aware of, and 
sorry, no, I can't claim that. I was aware of it and I still proceeded was there was a burnt out house um, on the block of land. And because it's a burnt out block, um, you know, there's, I learned all about asbestos. So there's asbestos and then there's something called friable asbestos, which is like a the next level of asbestos. And when a house is burnt down, the asbestos becomes friable so it's it's more i don't know what the term is but it's 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 more powdery which is inherently why asbestos is dangerous right people can breathe it in and everything so we saw that this and i have photos we saw that this house was this block of land had a burnt out husk of a skeleton you know like frames sitting on the block and we still proceeded to purchase it which you know and Okay, I'll, I'll share how much I paid for it. I think I paid 10k for it. Um, and but what happened was, it actually cost me, I think, close to twenty thousand dollars, maybe more, to knock it down because I, I was I was forced to. So it cost you know more than twice what I purchased it for, which was really very like a big lesson for me. So um, because I I do have a tendency to, you know, I, I work hard, I work fast, but I, that also means I get distracted and I'm always chasing after things uh, very quickly. And I jump right in. Um, this was like a lesson for me, like, you know, there's your 30 K lesson, Michael. Um, don't get too emotional. Don't, you know, um, listen to your partner. <laughs> Actually, she was on board as well, but she's really, she's really taken that lesson on board that where she, she knows she has to um, rein me. She's, she's an accountant by trade. Uh, she's very analytical. And, um, you know, now that we've exposed that weakness, she knows that um, <laughs> she has to uh, do her due diligence. And this isn't even due diligence. This is pretty obvious that you shouldn't buy a burnt out house. You know, like it's, it's not like, oh, I had to really discover and do a lot of digging. It's right there in front of us. So that, that, was, that was my big mistake and I'll, I won't forget it. Like, I'll... His original plan for the land didn't come through in the end. I had this plan to um, relocate a house, an existing dwelling. So at that time, there was a market, or there, there was, there were what were they called? They were called um, like uh, house junkyards. Yeah, removable homes. You know, where they actually on a lot. But that market has actually changed to there's no single dealer. You know, some guy of a massive lot of land and he has a whole bunch of houses sitting on it. That that market's it's changed because of services like Gumtree and and whatnot. So you actually have to buy the house directly from people now rather than going through a middle uh, middleman. Um, so uh, it just worked out that it cost too much for me to deliver a house to that area and the end value wasn't really worth it. So I could have gotten it through council approved easily. No problems. I already made the preliminary inquiries, but um, it just didn't make like, it just cost too much to deliver a house all the way out that way. Ultimately, Lynn had to make a decision about what to do next. We probably wouldn't have made a loss, but we weren't in a position where we wanted to um, invest more in a regional town that had less than 10,000 people. So um, beyond yeah, what we already invested. I mean, we had the funds, but we wanted to, uh, I, I don't know, identify um, projects that were closer to home so we could actually you know, um, learn the process. So what did you do with this particular property now? We unsold it. We did what we had to, and we we got out of it. And 
you know, we don't have to pay land tax on it anymore, which is great. He admits he learned a lot of valuable lessons from his investment journey. In one case, having to deal with an uninvited tenant. There's a human element um, to this strategy of buying property for a very low price, but which essentially meant I had to um, remove a squatter. It was a very difficult process um, to learn, um, and I did I did what I had to do to I guess you know feel right. Uh, I I I gave this person. Ample time, and obviously, you know, to the last minute, three months later, still hadn't made any moves. I had to forcibly evict him, but in that process, um, you know, and that means coordinating with local services such as police and lawyers and locksmiths, and just it took a whole day of my time to organise all that. But I also um, had to arrange removalists for that person's belongings, and you know. That's I could have just put it on the curb, but you know I didn't want to do that to another person. So I um, rented um, storage space, like a temporary storage, you know, like a, a cannot hire kind of places. And you know I paid for that out of my pocket, and I had to pay for removalists to move all his stuff into that place. And I paid for a, I think I paid for like three, four months, and he didn't even remove it at the end of the day. So uh, it just I don't know. It was, it was a learning process, like. You can always try to help people, but, um, you know, some people, they don't want to help themselves. So that's just something I had to learn because I, you know, I have certain values that my parents have taught me and I I wanted to do the right thing. And, and it, you know, I, he appreciated, of course, but it just, you know, I, I wish he collected his belongings. He had to move it up, but I wish he, he took his belongings as well because the, the um, storage service actually just threw it away. Despite getting a good rental return, Lynn decided not to hold on to this property. We've sold that property because we wanted the equity to help us with other projects. So um, moving forward, we, we didn't want to just leave our money in a regional um, regional town. I mean, cash flow was fantastic, obviously. It was positive off the bat, but um, essentially uh, cash is king when there's an opportunity around. Um, yeah. So how, how much did you sell that property in the end once you actually unsold it? Uh, six figures. Pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> how, how long did still made money. How long did that take you? I think a little bit over a year, so not that long. We didn't keep it for very long. Like I said, you know, things to do. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a very good return, especially. I mean, you had a had quite a bit of a headache with the tenant that was all the squatter that was in there, but the end result was a huge success. You know. Oh, it was a huge success. It was a huge success. But it was a huge learning, but also what I learned was, despite the fact there was a huge return ROI, I didn't want to do it again because the amount of work I had to put in, I could have put the same amount of effort into a development, for example, and. I'd make a lot more money and it wouldn't be as stressful, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, sure, you're putting more money down, but we have money, so it's it's fine. Yeah. It depends on your situation, I guess. Lynn recalls an encounter with his family, particularly with his mum, that really cemented his path in property. We had a lot of, um, you know, family from overseas and, you know, they, they just wanted to invest in 
Australia. Um, they were buying off the plan, speculating kind of um, investors. I mean, we're talking about domestic people domestically and also from overseas. And, you know, they're just buying and flipping them. And, and I was thinking to myself, okay, if these people are willing to, and mind you, I, I recommended certain properties for them to buy. For example, uh, I was moving out of this one property. I was moving out of this one property. It was a rainy day. I remember it was a Saturday. It was a rainy day. We were moving out. And um, my wife went to go to the local shops and she saw a whole bunch of um, people from a uh, oriental background <laughs> and lining up in the middle of, you know, in the morning on a Saturday morning, on a rainy morning. And, and she told me and I thought, that's not right. That's there's something happening. So I went to have a look and, you know, if, you know there's a whole line of them. And, and um, my, I told my mom and I said, well, it's probably, um, you know, some off the plan or some, some opportunity. Right. And my mom doesn't live nearby. She lives maybe about 30, 40 minutes away. She drove, got in the car with my sister and my dad and drove, came up straight away. So really sometimes, you know, it's about opportunity. You can't drag your feet and whatever. Like you can't, you can't make that decision before you've even assessed the offer. So a lot of people say, oh, probably divesting is no good or this is no good or building this is no good, but they haven't even found the details themselves. They haven't gone out of their way, you know, time out of their personal lives to actually confirm these things before um, succumbing to those um, uh, ideas in their mind. You know, they actually have to go verify. That's what she did. She got in the car straight away came to have a look thought it was a good buy bought one uh got a good price um and she negotiated a great price better than everyone else on the day she actually spoke to the developer i don't know how she did it so my mom's very very confident um she's really been a strong figure in my life you know um and she did this and then she told my aunties and my aunties bought some and they all made like you know hundreds of thousands of dollars um but what happened was after they made those you know first that first uh investment um they they wanted to do it again and I was advising them not to but they still wanted to proceed. He reflects on what this situation taught him about investments. It really showed me that emotions are very, very, very powerful when it comes to investing despite the fact that property is one of the biggest things that we ever purchase in our lifetimes. So, I kind of decided, hey, if if I have people around me who have the funds um, and they're list- willing to listen to me to to buy and sell and whatever, I should do the same thing for property development. And that's sort of why we kind of got into property development because we've built that kind of trust in our you know in our circle, our family circle, our social circle um, that you know we are um, consistent and reliable and honest uh, business owners. And you know the same applies to property development. They're investing in us. Basically. His age and influence at this time then served as his breakthrough moment on his investment journey. Despite the fact that I, I was in my you know, mid-20s, people really want to throw their money at you or they're just looking for somewhere to park their money and they're willing to listen to someone like me. You know, who, who, who wasn't really that sophisticated a property investor yet they were willing to throw hundreds of thousands of dollars in deposits to yeah, per my direction. Lin took his influential position very seriously and made sure he was doing right by anyone who chose to invest with him. Personal relationships is a very, very important component. When they talk about property is actually about people, it's about being able to leverage people. You know, that's what it means, um, you know, for their benefit, for everybody's benefit. Uh, but you just have to make sure that your values are in, you, you are, your intentions are actually good. Some people 
I mean, I held back on development for a few years because even despite the fact that I had people asking me to to do stuff um, because I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't confident that I could make the money, whereas there are some people in the industry who will take money from anybody, and if they lose money, oh, well, that's your problem. Um, we're just not willing to to do that. That's And I think in the long term, that's um, yeah, that's, that's the, the way to go. Even if it means missing opportunities, Lin would rather feel secure in his return to people than losing other people's money. Even if you come out unscathed, how can you walk around every day knowing that you you're the you know you're the cause? And yes, at the same time, everyone's responsible for their own destiny, and no one put a gun to their heads. But it's just I don't want to be part of that. There's enough of that happening, um, and I choose not to be. So it's, look, maybe I'm limiting my options, my opportunities that way, but I'm happy. Tune in to a future episode where we continue Michael Lin's investment journey by exploring further how he got started in property development. The process is the same. To build a house uh, as a developer or to build a house to live in, it's exactly the same in terms of the mechanics. How much research is required in his role? But why? I mean, other than that, what else does a developer do? You know, we're putting the deals together. I mean, if you're not willing to do that work, then what's <laughs> what are you doing? His investment mindset? No matter what I've done, no matter how many mistakes I've made, I've always been up. So now I've lost that fear. All that and more in a future episode of Property Invest Story. Also, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to register your interest. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price, which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, text me your email address on 0499881040. Thanks for listening.